right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens, and I also believe that the best way to get teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, help us spread the word to youth leaders. It is time for a revolution in youth ministry that will result in every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. Today's guest is as passionate about that as we are. His name is Jeff Martin. He's the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, one of their executive directors and founders, uh, founder of Fields of Faith, which has become the largest annual national outreach event in the history of FCA, exceeding 250,000 participants uh, participants each year, which is mind-blowing. That is awesome. He recently released his book, Empower, the Four Keys to Leading a Volunteer Movement, which we'll get in, uh, into in just a bit. Uh, and he received his Master's of Divinity degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He lives in Kansas City. Missouri with his wife, Julie, and his three grown children, AJ, Ashley, and Alexis, not to be confused with Alexa. That would be, that'd be, it'd be a tough time to have a daughter named Alexa <laughs> in today's modern age. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing great. And I am glad my daughter, youngest daughter's not named Alexa. That would be confusing. Yes. <laughs> that would be confusing. And I actually think I just uh, misread that because we talked last week. You you moved. You're in Oklahoma now. Is that right? Just lately. Yeah. Just up, updating the old bio there, but moved down uh, into the northeast part of Oklahoma. Still, uh, my, my job allows me to work from anywhere um, with partner. I'm over strategic partnerships and a little bit closer to my parents and my wife's parents and yeah. yet still close to Kansas City. Uh, originally from Oklahoma. So that's, that's why I moved and uh, love being back on oaky soil. Did I remember right? You're like three hours from each set of parents, two different directions. Well, our kids are in Kansas city and then parents and other relatives are in Oklahoma city. So it's right in the middle. It's uh, yeah. It's got a good little buffer zone between everyone. Yeah, that's right. Get get some space here. <laughs> yeah, get some space, <laughs> but not too far away that you can get in the car on a weekend and go hang out with the fam. Absolutely, so. we, we're loving it. Jeff, I'm. Uh, we were just talking before the podcast about the first time we met about a decade ago. You had just come to the national office at mm-hmm. FCA. I think we were there for a youth ministry executive council a gathering mm-hmm. of national youth leaders, and you had taken over for uh, Dan Britton and his mm-hmm. role. He went. Uh, kind of went international. Mm-hmm. I remember the first one of the first conversations we had was about fields of faith, which is still relatively new, but it already started to blow up. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about fields of faith. Yeah, well, it's it was one of those things. In and with all the the listeners on here, we all do outreaches and events and small groups and one on one and that type of deal. And this just happened to be one of those event ideas that I had around two thousand three. And the idea was simply to bring, uh, uh, have an event at a local stadium, uh, outdoors if it's good weather and in, in, in a gym, if it's bad weather, and, and have the heroes of the program, if you will, to be just ordinary students, volunteer students. Give, and the idea was to give them the mic to allow them to share a really simple challenge. And it was, the challenge was to read the Word of God daily. And uh, and to come to faith in Jesus Christ, and so we <clears> kept it pretty simple, and gave them the mic, and that's where it all started. And we had no idea if it would, you know, if it would work or not, and it did. And ever since then, there's been over uh, two million 
people that have been impacted by this volunteer, somewhat of a volunteer led and volunteer, the, 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 the heroes of the program uh, are designed to be students and maybe have an impact adult at the end to wrap it up, that type of deal. But that's where it came from. And it came out of a passage of scripture in Second Chronicles 34 about a young King Josiah who changed his country by rediscovering nice. the word of God. So that's, that was the idea. And it was just, it was, you know, just getting rolling and it just keeps going to today, which sort of blows my mind, uh, that, that this, this continues to roll like that, but it's, it's been fun to watch. You know, uh, and obviously out of that, you talk about a leading a volunteer movement. I mean, that's, uh, that's what fields of faith was, is, 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 mm -hmm. and was, is a volunteer movement where you give the microphone on the cover of your book, uh, there's a picture of a, a microphone. And I love that because you give the microphone and empower young people to do the challenge. And you you tell the story, and I don't want to give it away because I want you to tell the story about a girl. And it was one of the first fields of faith, and she was using a pocket knife or something yeah. to kind of make her point. You were nervous for her and didn't know for sure if this whole thing was going to work. Can you Can you tell that story? Yeah, and I think I think everyone will uh, uh, identify with this, but the, again, the idea was to hand the mic to students. And as as I was getting ready to, I was thinking about doing this. I thought it was a great idea, but you know, there's wisdom in many counselors. So I'd gone out and talked to counselors and and uh, a lot of people in ministry and stuff, and they go, "Jeff, that's the dumbest idea. It's stupid. Like it won't work." <laughs> I was like, why? And it's like, that's pretty know? much just Jeff, just so you know, that's pretty much every day in my life. Just so you know. <laughs> right there. Yeah, yeah. I think they said, Greg, it'll never work. <laughs> yeah, that's and right. And then I went, no, I'm Jeff. Like, oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're used to that. <laughs> no, but, but it was, it was just like, it won't work. And, um, and the idea was that you have to have a hook, right? You have to have the professional speaker, the professional musician, the athlete, the celebrity. And, and they said, if you don't, have someone like that, you're, first of all, you're not going to get, get, you know, today's teens there. They won't come. And second of all, if by some chance they do come, they're, they're ADD. They're not going to pay attention to just some kid up there who doesn't know how to talk. And in fact, hmm. you're going to get, it's going to embarrass. They're going to get embarrassed and you'll probably destroy the kids you put in front of them because no one will list. will be making fun of them and they'll never, you know, it'll destroy their identity and their self-esteem and all. So that was what was going on. So when we went ahead and did it anyways, right? Which sounds like something that you would do as well, right? That's right. <laughs> so we, we went ahead and did it. And so the first night we had to move inside to the gym. And it, anyone who's ever spoken in a gym knows that, uh, you know, sound bounces everywhere. It's not really good. And so we didn't think anyone would come because it was raining. And pretty soon they came. And the only, the only draw we had was students going out saying, Hey, you ought to come to the field. Hmm. That was the only training. Right. And so they, uh, but they came. So there's over a thousand kids smashed into one side of a small college gym. And I'm like going, I, right there was a miracle. I couldn't believe it. So the first speaker you were referring to this, this young girl, she comes walking up and she'd been chosen by our leadership team. We wanted to have some, you know, these volunteer student leaders I didn't know who she was and she was so little. She's a little ninth grader. And she, I remember she had a little bow on the, her hair and it, you know, it, it had it pulled back mm. and she's walking up in front of this, this, this big crowd, just looking down at her. She looked so little. And I thought I, I just sort of froze and I thought, what have I done? 
what have I done? This is good. This is not going to be good. So all of these voices saying, got to have a hook, got to have a hook, you know, the specialist were in my head. And so what she did was she immediately pulled out a knife. It was a, it was a little Gerber knife and had a little blade. She goes, if I got in a fight, I could use this. And so she sort of pokes it. Right. And I remember there was this rough looking dude on the front row. They were sitting on the, on the, actually down on the, um, on the uh, court because there was, it was overflow. The whole place was packed, right? So this dude's sitting there, and, she, and he he sort of goes, he sort of did his head like, yeah, you can use that. Pro- and he probably had used it before, right? And so she's poking at it. She goes, but if I got in a fight, I'd rather use this. So she reaches down and picks up a samurai sword, right? And she unsheaths it, and it sounds just like in the movies. I still remember that sound. It went shing, like like came out like that, and. And my thought was, I, my, my first thought was, is how did she get this weapon in here, right? I, no one had seen her do it. And then then she starts going through a routine. So she's literally flipping and whirling and twirling and doing this. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't know that she was a black belt in martial arts weaponry. I didn't, I had no wow. idea. I didn't know that. And I just didn't want her to let go of the sword. And go flying yeah. into the crowd. That was my main the first, the first no, and last yeah. fields of faith. <laughs> there, was, there was no spiritual anything. It was just like, please hang on to it. But she did. And she ended up, and I remember she brought the sword down with this loud yell. She goes, hey, you know, and that sword went right on that dude, that tough dude in the front. He came right down. I remember right over his forehead. And he, I remember him looking cross-eyed up like this. And I, I was like, uh, what, what just happened? And it, and so she walks back over to the mic and she says, the Bible says of itself that it's the sword of the spirit and that it's the only offensive weapon in the armor of God. And she said, so if I'm going to use it, I don't want to use it like this. And she held up the Gerber knife. She goes, I want to use it like this. And she held up the samurai sword. Huh. You could have heard a pin drop. No hook. It, it was drop, an untrade. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Drop the, the un- sword. Drop the sword. Drop it. The untrained ordinary volunteer. And God just said, just, just, just give her the mic. And and yeah. I was terrified. I it was a risk and all that's because I have to control things and everything has to be on time. And the next kid gets up, they they speak, they stutter, they stammer, they're terrible. The next one chases rabbits down here. And but here's what I noticed: you could hear a pin drop. And the reason is, is because they saw themselves up there. They heard yeah. themselves. They identified with them like they don't No one out there is going to necessarily be a pro athlete or a great speaker or anything like that. But they understood this kid that was struggling in biology and their parents are going through a divorce and the word of God was helping mm. them. They did understand mm. that. And so it, it, they, they got done. I got up at the end and I just said, you heard what they said. If you want to make a decision, you can do that. And we, you know, we had, we had our three or four counselors down there and hundreds came over the rails. They, they literally wow. came over the rails onto the court and a revival broke out and it happened at other places. And so that's, that was the first fields of faith and it's grown ever since then and continues to go. And so that's why I wanted to capture the basics of that somehow, mm. do a, do a little autopsy and go, what, why is this still going and that's, that was the impetus of uh, writing the book is just to get that out and, and find out why is that still working? Man, Jeff, it's so good. There's so many applications to youth ministry. Um, like I think just giving the teenagers the mic in youth group, 
you know, because the average youth leader, you know, doesn't do fields of faith every week. They do their youth group meeting every week mm. and to empower teenagers by letting them speak, letting them share stories, maybe do the lesson. I remember when I was 12 years old, uh, my pastor said, I want you to preach in church this week. I was one of the little preacher boys at the independent fundamentalist church. And he had a little 10 minute slot for me. It wasn't the real sermon, but it was a sermon. And I remember standing behind this pulpit that was way bigger than I I could barely see over it. But I felt the same. I felt empowered. And part of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because somebody gave me the microphone when I was a kid, that same preacher walking down the hallway looked at me one day and said, you're going to reach the world for Christ someday, young fella, and just kept walking. Mm-hmm. And I knew he said it a thousand times to a thousand kids, and I knew he meant it every time, and he gave us the microphone. Mm-hmm. So to make a youth leader application, you know, just, man, how can we most effectively give our teenagers the microphone mm-hmm. more and more and more and empower them in the process? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was talking to a bunch of pastors about some of these concepts. And and usually the read step is, um, I, you know, you, you want us to have a free-for-all and just let them run everything? I was like, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> but it's to your point, is to look for opportunities. And, and I'll just yeah. give two quick words that will sort of help think that way. Uh, and, and it's elevate and include. And you can do that in a variety of ways. It's, it's, you know, you, and what happens is, is when we deal with volunteers and, and not just student leaders, but th- those who work with student leaders that are the extension of us as, as leaders, but many times we're just trying to get a warm body in there, right. To do, to do youth, you know, like just teach this class, please. And, and, you know, just please, please. And what we do is we lower the bar and say, if you'll just do this, it's great. We get a warm body. And the reality is at times as leaders, we got to look at our volunteer or student leaders and we need to raise the bar in because they want to be part of, they want to be part of something epic. They want to be part of a cause against all odds. They want to, they want to take the hill. Now I'm not mm-hmm. saying all the time, but at times you put that in there and sometimes it's small. It's just a small Way. And the thing that I'm excited about is as people look at this, look at this book and think about those concepts, that the ones that will figure out the ways to elevate and include are the ones closest to the issues, which hmm. are these leader, which are the ministry leaders. And I think there's going to be all types of examples out there. So that's what my encouragement is. You're not giving up full control, but you are taking a risk and you're elevating and including at times what you want those students to do. And when you do that, that's exactly what you just said, Greg, when he said, I'm going to give you the mic. It might be giving them a mic. It might be coming up with an outreach idea. It might be, you know, Hey, how do you think we ought to do this? Even though it may or may not fail and taking that risk. And so that's, that's sort of the, the way that, that I think as our, our ministry leaders approach this, they're going to see all types of opportunities. And if they'll just take a chance and risk, those yeah. students will respond. Well, and you think think about, as I think about this personally on a ministry level, it really is at the core of kind of what we do as an organization at Dare to Share because mm-hmm. we want to give the teenagers the mic when it comes to sharing Christ with their friends, mm-hmm. allow them the opportunity to engage their friends in the gospel. It just hits so many different areas. One mm-hmm. of the things in your book I thought was brilliant 
uh, was I, the importance of identifying a common enemy. Mm. Now talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So there's, there's different ways you can look at what you're, what you're doing organizationally. And some of that is, you know, a lot of people, when you, you look in dealing with volunteers, there's a lot of books and, and trainings on volunteer management. Okay. Mm. There's very little on volunteer movement. So, but, but they're not, they're not separate. We're talking about creating movement within your management. So for instance, you can come up with common goals, which can unite people. Hey, this is what we want to do. This is when, you know, when we want to, uh, you know, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to do it. And this is when we want to have it done, like smart goals and stuff like that. That's good. That common goals are awesome, but you can take the same, if you think of that as a diamond and you turn it and the light hits it and diffracts, you can do it a little bit different that can cause movement, not just managing to hit goals. So here's, here's an example. All right. So Mark Green, who's a chief strategy officer for, for Hobby Lobby, he states this principle like this. I'm just going to read a quote. He said, I'm, I'm a part of a collaborative effort called Every Tribe, Every Nation, which is a partnership between ministry partners and gospel patrons to eradicate Bible poverty. He said, we want to make sure all 7,000 people groups have access to scripture in their heart language by 2033. Uh. Right? Now, that last sentence is a, a, is a textbook smart goal, right? It's specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, you know, all of that type of stuff. 7,000 people groups, scripture in their heart language by 2033. But what sticks with you is eradicate poverty. Bingo. Don't miss that. Because now, if you're, if you're a part of that organization and they're going after, guess what they're doing? Who's the enemy? Who's the common enemy? Bible, yeah. poverty. That's an enemy because if there's a poverty of scripture, then the whole thing falls. I talk about in the book, it's a critical note that the entire system fails. Mm. So, so if you eradicate Bible poverty, guess what happens to the system? It builds it back up. So what are we going to do? That's out there. That's our enemy. There's poverty out there. What are we going to do? We're going to eradicate it. We I are it. bringing it down. And so the, the, the thing I like to say is that our volunteers leaders don't want to just take in something like, here's your smart goal. Here's your, you know, here, here's your job description. Here's what we're going to do on Wednesday night. They, that's important. Again, I'm not putting that to the side. They don't want to just take in something. They want to take on something. And if mm. you can look at what you're doing and frame it in that way. And again, this is important. We're not talking about like, politicizing things and trying to beat people down and, and they're the enemy. We're going to take them out. It's not like that. It's, it's looking at, you know, you could look at gospel poverty. There's, there's, there's a poverty of the gospel out there and we're well, you gonna, know, we, we want to eradicate that. Right. And, and one of the things I, I may have said at every dare to share event in the last 10 years, we want to rescue a generation from the hell they're headed to and the hell they're going through apart from Christ. And I think, I wish I'd have read your book so I knew there was science behind it. Um, but I think there's a book title. I never read the book, but there's a book out there called The Necessity of an Enemy and that every David needs a Goliath, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, every person needs needs that battle, that epic struggle. And, the, you know, for us in youth ministry, I mean, that epic struggle is against the world, the flesh, the devil for the souls of this generation. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of locks in. And I think just calling that out and reminding, I remember once 
um, at a dare to share event, there was a girl that came up to me cause I had talked about hell and you know, the reality of hell. This girl comes up to me and she goes, why is my youth leader never talked to me about the reality of hell? Mm-hmm. I did not realize that my friends that die without Christ will spend an eternity in hell. She goes, this is urgent. Mm-hmm. And she was upset because he did not bring in that, that subject, that, that enemy, that common mm-hmm. goal to mm-hmm. eradicate, you know? So man, it's, it's great. So just quickly, just give a high level overview. I don't want to give the book away because I want every youth leader uh, watching or listening to this right now to purchase the book Empower the Four Keys to Leading a Volunteer Movement because this applies to youth ministry in massive ways. And you happen not to be a youth leader, a volunteer, or a lead pastor, it applies to your church. Uh, going through this book, I am just strip mining it for ideas. Uh, for dare to share, but it works not just in a global ministry, it works in a local ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but really encourage you just give us a high level, quick overview, your elevator, dis, you know, discussion of these four keys. Sure. Yeah. And I would say this, it talks about leading a volunteer movement, but I, but, but I always say it's also creating movement within the management that you're already doing. So it's that, it's not like, well, I don't feel called to, you know, do a massive, you know, 250,000 people a year. I don't no, no, no. It's moving the heart of your volunteers where they are. That's Man, part Je- of it. Jeff, that is brilliant. It's getting your your five, ten adult volunteers, student student leader volunteers, uh, in this movement mentality. Mm-hmm. So there's ownership of that. I love that. So yeah, yeah. just real quickly, just yeah. what are those four areas? Let's give try and give four sentences. How about that? That'd be quick. But uh, the first, the, there's four principles that we figured out that were part of not only fields of faith, but I've been doing this for 30 years. These were consistent. The first is value. And what I like to say is if you want to release a movement, you have to trust the ordinary and call them to something crazy at times. And that, that we already talked about. You have to trust them, take some risk, elevate what you're asking them to do and say, Let, let's go get that. It's not all the time. But at times, and when you do that, what I like to say is you don't trust what you don't value. So the way to show value is you trust them and you elevate what you're asking them to do at times. The second, and and I will say this, Craig Rochelle says this great. If you want workers, give them a task. If you want leaders, give them authority. I think that's a great way to put that. The second is simplicity. So if you want to release a movement, keep it simple. These are volunteers. Don't overwhelm them with all these things and just like, and I'm not talking simple, dumb. I'm saying simple, very coherent, clear, and to the point. There's an African proverb that says this, it's better to teach one idea to hundreds of people rather than hundreds of ideas to one. So Mm -hmm. simplicity is key. All right. Uh, Then the third is commonality. If you want to release a movement, don't just take in something, take on something. We, we've already talked about the power of a common enemy. Yep. People unite around a, a clearly defined enemy as opposed to clearly defined goals. All right. You need both. And then uh, the last, the last uh, principle is ownership. So if you want to release a movement, don't attend the concert, be the concert. And, and in our world, our students are back in the day, we were all consumers. We waited for the people at the top. They would tell us what we needed to buy, what we needed to listen to. We could only watch so many shows during the week. Now we're all publishers. All of us are. And so 
we don't need to just sit sit back in the pews and attend the concert. We have the opportunity to be the concert. And I would say to everyone on this on, on this podcast, the opportunity is for us to create the environment so these students who are already publishing are publishing the gospel and the good news in a way that we've never seen before. So those are the four principles found in the book that are fleshed out um, once you get into it. I love that. I, I was on a, a global uh, call with youth ministry leaders uh, yesterday, and they talked about the difference between being hippos and honeybees. Like hippos Ooh. just consume everything, right? But honeybees are part of a bigger group, part of a bigger tribe, and they all contribute toward that common common goal. I thought that was, that was great. I love that. Yeah. I, I told him I was going to steal that. So, <laughs> and then, Hey, um, one other, like you just, again, it's so full. Your book is so full of these gold nuggets. Mm. Uh, one you, t- you talk about, instead of trying to reach tens of millions, why don't we try to reach millions of tens? Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah. So the, it's, it's the thought is our mindset. I think it's, it's, the mindset is thinking tens of millions and that, and, and it's shifting from that. And, and that's great. We can reach millions through the tens. So in other words, it's, that's a top down mentality. And there, there, that is biblical because there's the, the structure of the church and the leaders. Again, this is not shooting one thing off to the side in favor of another one, but it's, it's, it's changing the mindset where it's not only that. So the idea of thinking, Hey, bring millions to the tens, you know, so tens of millions, but think millions of tens, not tens of millions, millions of tens. So there are millions of students out there outside of the church that are influencing 10 people around there. There's millions of them. And the difference is staggering Hmm. as opposed to trying to bring the millions to the 10, you know, the, the 10 speakers and the people at the top which is a strategy, right? Again, it's not bad, but the mindset has to shift. And I would say this, Greg, is that the pandemic has forced that mindset to shift because we no longer had the the, necessarily the access of the tens of millions. So it's a mindset shift and that's what that, that means. And that's where the culture is right now. Yeah. I love it. So a couple of things. One is how, how do people get a hold of your book? Yeah, so anywhere you can buy books online, uh, B&H Publishing uh, has put it on basically anywhere you buy books. If you want a little bit more information, we have a website called empoweryourvolunteers.com. Uh, and anyone can go there. There's, there's a little, you know, some videos, a little bit more information, background, some uh, items there um, to, to contact me and, and things like that. So I would say that's the easiest uh, way to do that. As you know, I'm not really good on social media, uh, but but uh, going to that website or anywhere you want to buy books online, you can get it. That's great. And then how can, um, let me just ask it this way. What, what challenge would you give, like parting challenge would you give to youth leaders listening to this podcast right now? Yeah, I think the challenge I would, I would give is don't be afraid to risk giving more uh, authority and opportunity to your leaders, because if you will take that risk and with risk, there's going to be failure and that's okay. But, but it will release in the volunteers you already have. This isn't about going and getting new volunteers. It will release something inside of them that I think will blow you away. So 
don't be afraid to risk and give up some of the authority and opportunities to your volunteer leaders, not only the volunteer like teachers and things like that, but, uh, but the, the student leaders, it will blow you away, uh, what they'll be able to do. They'll, it'll, it'll, it'll shock you, uh, if you'll mm-hmm. let, if you'll let them go to work. Jeff, it reminds me of a quote I heard years ago from Dr. Jim Gruen, who used to be, uh, the president of Youth for Christ. He said, the first reformation took place when the word of God got into the hands of the common people. Mm-hmm. The second reformation will take place when the work of God gets into the hands of the common people. Amen. And if we can mobilize these volunteers, you know, think about Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. What's our job as mm-hmm. pastors, you know, preachers, teachers, evangelists is to equip God's people for works of service. I mean, really, um, you stole this from Paul. You stole this from the Bible, this, yeah. this concept. So it's, there's perfect. nothing new under the sun. I stole no. that from Solomon too. There you go. See, there you go. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for uh, being a part of this podcast. I encourage everybody, again, pick up Empower the Four Keys to Leading a Volunteer Movement by Jeff Martin. And now we're going to kind of switch into a segment uh, called Ask a Youth Leader. I uh, This is called the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast, and I've not actually been on hands-on hands youth ministry for like 30 plus years. So, at the end of every segment, we bring an actual youth leader on uh, to kind of get their thoughts about the guests' uh, comments that day. And so today, we have a good friend of mine, Nathan Smith. Nathan has served as a volunteer youth leader and full-time youth leader for 19 years. Uh, fun fact, he was a pitcher in college at Central Christian College. Uh, he loves coaching, coaching students in sports, uh, coaching students to follow Jesus. He serves as a youth ministry coach with Multiplier Ministry, Multiply Ministries. Uh, currently, he's a student pastor at First Baptist Church of Roswell, New Mexico. I'm not going to say anything about. I'm not going to say anything about UFOs. I just said it. I can't help myself. Where he lives with his wife and four children, uh, and is he's a, a longtime part of our kind of our Dare to Share volunteer team of key youth leaders. So, Nathan, uh, what did you think about what Jeff shared? Well. Um, in the podcast. First off, Greg, one of my volunteers is a UFO expert. So there, if you ever come to Roswell, See, you, there you can go. learn from Perfect. the expert, like nationally, internationally known expert on UFO, all UFO. I seriously want to go. I so, want to go. I really want to go. That's awesome. Um, but man, I, I totally was blessed. And it was so crazy to me. Um, my network just tried to do, uh, we didn't call it Fields of Faith. I didn't know Fields of Faith existed. I'm trying to catch up here. But that same concept we tried to do about six or eight weeks ago, and we saw 100 lost kids show up, and it was just students on the mic. And it was a great night, but it spun off. And for me, again, by accident, I started handing the mic to my students saying, hey, I want you to share the gospel and share your story at the vendor every Wednesday night. And I had my first Wednesday night. I hand it to a kid, and this kid bombs like didn't share a gospel that was very clear. I I mean, I was just disappointed. I went, well, maybe that didn't work. And then I had a youth leader come up and say like, my entire group said they don't even have a story of salvation. Like, what am I supposed to do, Nathan? One of those kids, the kids I've been discipling now for about six months. So the next Sunday morning, this kid walks up to me and he goes, pastor, I just need to let you know, I now have an after I trusted Christ story. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, Wednesday night, 
Like after I went home two o'clock in the morning, I chose to put my faith and trust in Christ. And I said, why did you do that? Wow. And he looked at me and he said, well, when I heard that other kid's story, I realized my story was just like his and I'd never trusted Christ. Like he thought he trusted Christ, but had never actually found Jesus. And so that messed up story wow. it absolutely started the process. And then that alien expert volunteer, who's just been a youth leader with me for a few months, challenged this kid to say, why don't you have an after story? And the, the combination of all of that, and I'm just on the outside watching and seeing what God did in this kid's life. And it's just fun to see how that works. So, wow. yeah, that was the first thing as I was listening. To That's really, it's just really cool. Go ahead. That's awesome. And I, and, and you think about, uh, think about the, the power, like Jeff was sharing earlier of kids that maybe killed it on stage that the girl with the knife and the sword, the kids that stumbled and chased rabbits, but it still worked because I think teens, they, they see themselves uh, in other teens and teens that hurt on stage or they're not, not doing well. I think a lot of times teenagers actually feel, feel for them and they're cheering for them. When adult, an adult bombs on stage, they laugh at, they laugh at us. I've been laughed at many times, but when teens bomb, I think teens, you know, they, they relate with that and they get that message coming through. Uh, any other thoughts as, as you were well, kind of thinking through what Jeff shared? I do a lot of smart goals in my group. But the whole eradicating biblical poverty as example of a common enemy, like I want to implement that today. Like I love the idea of keeping the smart goal, but being able to um, really kind of dig into that whole like attitude of I want my students to see what we're fighting against and what we're fighting for. Um, I think yeah. that that's something that we absolutely yeah. can do. Uh, I'm going to go get the book. Like I was really, I'm always looking for ways that I can equip my leaders um, and, and to be able to be simple, to clear and to the point. Uh, sometimes I feel guilty because that's something that I, I want to be able to do for my leaders that I'm not making it. I don't have the cool spreadsheets or all that kind of stuff, but to be able to identify with others out there that say, you know, I, I can only do two or three things at a time and that's all I can focus on. But if I can pick the right things uh, and keep that clear and keep that simple mm. and to the point, um, what an incredible opportunity that can be. You know, uh, one of the things, Nathan, when Jeff was talking about the difference between, you know, tens of millions and millions of tens, I couldn't help but think about youth, youth leader networks, but also youth groups. You know, if the average youth group in America is 10 kids, uh, which I don't know what the actual answer is, but if it is, it's there. It's not a huge number, whatever that number is. I mean, could you imagine that millions of tens, these youth leaders around the world, mobilizing their teenagers and their adult leaders as part of this volunteer movement? When you kind of take it back, I mean, isn't that what Jesus did? I mean, Jesus ignited a volunteer movement with his disciples and his followers and and early church. I mean, it was a volunteer movement. It still is uh, 2000 years later, but how did that whole concept of millions of tens did, were you thinking about youth groups and teenagers and adult leaders as well? During yeah. That? And I think I, I don't, there's so many of us that are ambitious and you're like, man, I want to have a group of hundreds or thousands of kids. I want to speak. I want to be cool. Like Greg Steer. Um, but at the same time, 
it reminded me of a conversation I had uh, with a youth pastor I was coaching. And, you know, he's discouraged. He's got 12 kids in his youth group, but he's in a school of less than 100 students. And me looking at him saying, dude, your ratio of the amount of kids that you're equipping and empowering, you're more successful than I am. I, I don't have a very big group, but, you know, he can look at me as this huge group and I'm looking at him going, but you are making such an impact with the 10 kids and watching those kid kids are thinking about in the past as I've had small youth ministries and kids going to Chad Africa or India or, you know, Chicago or wherever God's called them all over the world, all over the country and, and bringing up other gospel advancing movements, most of the time from a very volunteer perspective. And, and if we will stay in that small mentality mm -hmm. so that it'll multiply, how cool is that? And, and so, yeah, that really spoke to me a lot. That's awesome. That's great. Well, Nathan, thanks so much uh, for being a part of the podcast as well. And I think for the whole gospel advancing movement, uh, the Empower book is going to be a significant book for us to learn from. So excited that Jeff was with us here today. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. And I just want to challenge you, remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing youth ministry. Thanks for tuning in.